Hey, my name is Jarrett, and I want to welcome you to Soul City Church. My wife, Jean, and I have the privilege of, of pastoring Soul City from right here in the heart of downtown Chicago. We're a, a diverse and dynamic church that's committed to the common cause of leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. That's why we do everything we do here on the ground in Chicago and online literally around the world. And I'm not sure where you're joining us from or, or where you're at with God, but our heart and our hope is to help you find and follow Jesus. And Church Refresh is a great way for you to do just that with tools and resources that are always available to you at any time at soulcitychurch.com slash churchrefresh. You're gonna to wanna to check it out all throughout the week. Well, we are in our final week of a four-week study of the book of Philippians. And what we're gonna to explore together over the next few moments is honestly one of the most transformational and if, and if I'm being really honest with you, like counterintuitive things you can do, I can do, we can do, when life feels out of control. And I thought since, you know, I'm being honest with you, which I would hope that I would, I should probably tell you that I had this whole um, like funny little bit I was gonna do here uh, about counterintuitive things, you know, that we do in life that we don't really even think about. And I had some, some, some props I was gonna use. But like, if I'm being really real, uh, I'm, I'm just not feeling that uh, in this moment. This, this week I've found myself feeling discouraged and defeated. I found myself feeling angry and apathetic. I turn on the news. I only feel worse. I open up social media and parts of it are a dumpster fire. I, I continue to see racial unrest and systemic abuse of power all across our country, all across the world. 17-year-old kid walking around Kenosha with an illegal AR-15 that he just used to kill two protesters. That, that kid is only three years older than my boy. Protesters are protesting protesters. People are dying every day due to our response to COVID-19. And my silly illustration about why you should actually peel a banana from the bottom seems like just that. It just seems silly. My hunch is you're feeling it too feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, like you, can, like you can barely keep up with it all. Kids are going back to school. If you got them, just adds to some of the chaos. And you, you wonder what kind of toll all of this might be taking on your soul. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've been wondering, what kind of toll is this taking on our souls? Which brings up a question that I just want us to unpack for the next few moments together. And, and it's simply this. What can you do for your soul? What can you do for your soul when life feels out of control? What do you do for your soul when life feels so out of control? What can you, you and I do when life feels crazy and uncertain? When, what can you do when, when you feel done and somehow also undone at the same time? Well, God's answer to that question, again, might not be what you think. In fact, I think it's pretty counterintuitive, one of the most counterintuitive things you can think of. And I believe that actually holds the key to what your soul most needs. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a Bible. We're gonna get right into it. Grab a Bible and, or open up a tab to Philippians chapter four. Wherever you're watching, wherever you're at, open a Bible, open a tab to Philippians chapter four. As we've discussed in each of the previous weeks, uh, this book of the Bible was written by Paul. But as we've said, it wasn't written like a book. It's a letter 
that was actually written by Paul to a church, to friends of his that he loved, and, and he honestly didn't know if he would ever actually see them again. And what we now know because of history is that something Paul didn't know in that moment is that he actually wouldn't ever see them again. See, Paul was in jail because of what he believed about a resurrected Jesus and life in him. And he actually spent years in the system, right? Like before writing this, years in the system, waiting for a trial. And get this, while he was being transferred from one jurisdiction to another, he was actually shipwrecked while he was in chains, shipwrecked at sea, and then was stranded on an island for months. And while on the island, was bit by a poisonous snake, which... For me, honestly, that would have been enough. Just if just that would have happened, that would have been enough. But for Paul, the snake bite part is just the cherry on top. All of that happened before he wrote this letter. See, Paul ultimately found himself locked down in this prison cell, totally out of control, not where he wanted to be, unable to do what he wanted to do. And it's in the middle of those circumstances that he writes this in Philippians 4. We'll look at couple verses starting at verse four. It says this. This is what Paul says. Think of those circumstances. This is what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul is basically like, look, I know this sounds crazy and some of y'all ain't going to believe this. So I'm going to say it twice. Rejoice. Worship. Praise God, even when life isn't going the way you want it to go. Even when your soul feels totally out of control, rejoice. Even when your kids are going back to school in your living room, rejoice. Even when you might be sick or suffering, rejoice. Even when your financial future looks fuzzy at best, rejoice. Even when you are sick and tired of quarantine and the coronavirus, rejoice. Even when you are single and as if it wasn't already hard enough to meet or date good people, now you have to do it all online. And when you finally do get to actually go out with someone, you got to do it outside. And before you even get to know them, you have to do a temperature check and ask them when the last time was that they had a coronavirus test and whether or not it was negative. Rejoice. (laughs) See, what Paul is saying here and the reason he has to say it twice It's because when life feels out of control, it's only natural to let your circumstances try and tell your soul where to go. But Paul says, no. No, the most counterintuitive and transformational thing you can do when all is not going as you would choose is to rejoice. It's how you remind, listen to this, it's how you remind your emotions of your devotion. In other words, what Paul is suggesting here is that when life is at its lowest, let your praise be at its highest. That's counterintuitive, isn't it? When life is at its lowest, let your praise be at its highest. Why? Because praising God radically redefines reality for you. It recalibrates your heart. It centers your soul. It doesn't pretend that what's going on isn't going on. It just reminds you that it's not the only thing going on. Look, I experienced this just this last week. I told you how I've been feeling, you know, just so out of sorts and defeated and and discouraged recently. And then last week, about 100 or so folks from our church gathered together here on our property in a safe and socially distanced way to worship God and pray for our city. And listen, 30 seconds into that first song, I was bawling. I soaked my mask in my tears. Why? 
because I was experiencing the reality that there is more. And what I need in my life is not more news or more online opinions. I need more worship. I need more of God. And so do you. When life is at its lowest, let your praise be at its highest. But Paul offered actually one more totally transformational, utterly counterintuitive thing for you and I to do in Philippians 4. And it's actually found in verse 6. And I want us to read it together. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, we're going to unpack all this, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Now those first couple of words can seem a little off-putting, right? Don't be anxious about anything? Really, Paul? It's like people in your life, you know, when you share something that you're going through or you're wrestling with or worried about who just tell you, ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Wow, thanks. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that. All this time I was worried and all I had to do was not worry. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're in my life. Look, that's not what Paul is saying by don't be anxious about anything. What Paul is saying is that worry doesn't have to be your only way, that there's a better way, that you can actually bring your worry to God in prayer, whatever it is. Paul says to present your requests to God. Now, the original Greek word for that word present can also be translated to the word reveal. We reveal our heart to God in prayer. We reveal what's going on beneath the surface, beyond our circumstances. You know, it reminds me of our favorite sushi place here in the city, which, which I realize is a very bougie sentence to say out loud. But whenever we call uh, this place to actually place our order, every item that I name, they always respond with the same thing. No matter what it is that I order, they always reply back with, and what else? No matter what I say or how many items I actually order, every single time they reply with, and what else? See, that, that's what happens when we bring our worries and ultimately our soul to God in prayer. We tend to start with, at least I tend to start with, what's on the surface. Important things to be sure. But what the Spirit is doing is the Spirit is nudging and saying to you, and what else? And what else? What else is actually going on? What else is really going on? beyond what you're praying for. See, when we keep going with God in prayer, the Spirit begins to reveal what else is going on in our soul. That's when we get to the good stuff. That's when we get to the real stuff. And the promise that Paul points out, the promise that God has for you when you do, when you keep going to God in prayer, when you keep worshiping and rejoicing God, even though it doesn't make any sense, the promise is far greater than whatever it is that you started with. In fact, it's found in verse 7. I want us to look at Philippians 4, verse 7. And this is what it says in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, let me say it again, and the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends, which goes beyond, which cannot be contained by all understanding, will actually guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. This is the, the peace that Jesus talked about in John 14, 27. It's not like anything in this world, Jesus said. The peace of this world is when you're having a good day or it's nice outside or when you have a day with nothing on the calendar or you have a moment when the kids 
aren't fighting. That's the peace of this world. And get this, it's always rooted in your circumstances. But the peace that God promises guards and guides your heart. It recenters and reframes your soul. It's that deep peace that you feel in your soul, even when your world feels totally out of control. What Paul is simply saying here is this, that God promises his peace for all of your problems. That's a promise. God promises his peace for all of your problems. But, but don't miss this. He doesn't promise to make them go away. He doesn't promise to make it all work out your way. He doesn't even promise answers or explanations for all that you're going through, or all that you're facing. But what he does promise is peace. See, this is God's invitation to you, a life rooted in worship rather than worry, a peace that's actually found in, in prayer, a way to turn your inner monologue into an open dialogue with God. And you can actually make this shift in a moment. You can change the direction of your attention back to God. You can go from heavy to light, from beaten down to filled up, from out of control to a centered soul. And as you do, God promises that he will give you something far greater in exchange. He will give you his peace. Peace to guide you, peace to guard you, peace to cover you, peace to carry you. So here's my, ch my challenge to you this week, Soul City. Here's our homework that we're all going to be doing this week, and it involves your hands. You don't have to get anything else, you've already, you've already got it. So it involves your hands. I don't know about you, but when I feel out of control, when I feel like the world around me or my life is out of control, this is what my life tends to look like, right? Hands clenched, right? I'm looking for and latching on to control however or wherever I can find it. So here's what I want you to do. No matter where you're watching from, I want you to just do that right now. Can you just make two clenched fists as tight as you can? I know you're at the car wash, right? I know you're at Starbucks. I know you're at home. Would, it just, would you just do it for a second? Just clench your fists as tight as you can. Like squeeze until you feel like you're going to lose circulation. Because that's probably how life feels right now, what I want you to do is just this. Would you just lift your hands up right now in this moment? Just lift your hands up. However, wherever you're at, just lift them up. This is our posture of praise here at Soul City. Would you be willing this week to turn all of your worry, all of your grasping for control into worship this week? To let God reframe reality by telling God the truths about himself that he already knows. Our church, Refresh, is actually a great place to start. There's so much worship available to you there. Would you just give your soul the gift of turning its attention in God's direction? At any point throughout this week, when you find yourself like this, would you be willing to just do this? And now what I want you to do, if you would, is would you just hold your hands upward? If you've ever been here or been around Soul City, you know this is actually our posture of prayer around here at Soul City. We, we don't pray like this. That's fine. We pray like this. And so I, I wonder if you'd be willing to just 
have an open posture of prayer because when, when you feel this going on this week in your life and it feels out of control and everything you're watching, everything you're hearing and everyone you're talking to makes you feel like this, would you be willing to open your hands up to God in prayer? Would you be willing to bring God all that's going on and all that feels out of control and let the Spirit simply say to your soul, and what else? What else? Until you get to the good stuff of what's really going on inside. And as you do, I promise you, but more more important than that, as you do, God promises you something far greater than control, far better than escape. He promises you his peace. And that really is it. That's my prayer for you, for me, for all of us this week in the midst of a world that feels out of control, that down in the deepest places of your soul, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your souls and your minds 